this morning, as I said, we are thinking about how we can be well and flourishing and thriving in our workplace. Mm. And uh, and I want to ask you this morning, as we think about our workplace, like, what is the worst job you've ever <laughs> had? Like, what is the worst job that you've ever had to do? Like, if you're if you're live, maybe you want to put that on on the online yeah. chat on YouTube or Facebook at the moment. Um, Many of you will know that Amy and I just got married just over a year ago. And uh, when we got together, we didn't just uh, enjoy coming together, but we, we, I inherited your dog. You did. This amazing, crazy Springer Spaniel called <laughs> Zaid. And uh, just a few weeks back, my youngest son, Dan, moved in with us as well, bringing with him his 40 kilogram <laughs> monster of a dog called Kobe. So now we've got two dogs at home. And uh, most of the time, it's brilliant. Most of the time, we love it. And it's a lot of fun. And, and it's a lot of joy. But there is one aspect of having a dog that I don't enjoy. And if you are a dog owner, you will know exactly what I'm about to say, because it relates to this. Oh because we all know what this means. Yes, the the dreaded poo bag. <laughs> um, you see, Zaid and Kobe, they're, they're both really well-trained, to be honest. But despite all of their well-training, just like every single dog, they are not able to clean up after their own mess. And so <laughs> that's what we have to do in the garden, out when we go for a walk in the park. We have to enjoy the joy of ensuring that the world is not full of poo piles all <laughs> over the place because we want the world to be a better place, to be enjoyed by us and by other people. It's the worst part of having a dog. But actually this, this whole thing of wanting the world to be a better place takes us right back to the very beginning of our well-being journey when we started to kick this off two months ago because we, we began our journey exploring the fact that at the beginning of the sacred story, God creates a, a breathtaking universe, a beautiful earth and, and a perfect environment for humanity to thrive in relationship with him. And uh, and we're told in the sacred story, if we go back to Genesis 2, verse 8, we read these words. It says, then God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man or the mankind, the humanity that he'd made. And so right at the beginning of creation, we're told that God creates a garden called Eden and he places humanity in it. And the Old Testament is written originally in a Hebrew language. And the Hebrew word for Eden actually means pleasure or delight. And I love that. I love the fact that right at the very beginning of creation, God places humanity in a place of delight and a place of pleasure. Mm -hmm. And the question is like, why? What is it? And what was it about Eden that enabled it to be a place of delight and a place of pleasure? Now, I'm sure that Eden was breathtakingly beautiful, but actually I don't think that was it. The reason that Eden was a place of delight and pleasure, because in Eden, humanity discovered our true identity and our true purpose. Because we, we're all searching for identity and purpose, aren't we? We're all wrestling with big questions like, who are you mm -hmm. and why are you here? And in fact, the whole of the next term, we have a, a theme throughout next term called You Were Made For This, where we're going to be looking more deeply into the whole question of our identity and purpose. So we're kind of finishing our well-being journey on identity and purpose, but also beginning a brand new series from next May, thinking about the reason that we were created in the world. So why, what is it about Eden that created this place? 
where we discover our true identity and purpose. Well, our identity we discover in this story was rooted in the fact that right at the beginning, we were lovingly and intentionally and wonderfully created for relationship with God. In Genesis chapter one, verse 26, we're told that God said this, let's make human beings in our image to be like us. And, and when God is speaking here, he's, we get this sense of us. It's this mystery of the, the Trinity that, that we believe that there is one God who eternally exists as Father, Son and Spirit. That right at the center of who God is, there is relationship, there is community, there is family. And God wanted to extend the family. God wanted a bigger family. And so he created humanity to be his children, to be in relationship with him. And so this story of Eden reminds us that we were created for a loving, living, ongoing relationship with God. And when we understand our true identity, that we're not what we do, but actually we are whose we are. We are lovingly created by God. And Eden was a place of delight and pleasure because humankind knew its true identity, that we are beloved children of God. And, and this is really important to us when it comes to our vocational well-being, because jobs may come and jobs may go. But if your identity is bound up in the job you do, if you lose your job, then you'll have a sense of losing your identity. But if your identity is rooted in the reality that whatever goes on, good, bad or ugly in your life, including your employment, then you know that you can still be secure because you are a beloved child of God. Mm -hmm. And God wants relationship with you and, and promises to be with you, to be for you and to bring you through anything you face. Mm -hmm. In Eden, we discover our true identity is is that we are beloved children of God. But what about purpose? Well, again, let's uh, look at Genesis 1 verse 26. It says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. It's a strange statement, isn't it? Like that we are made in the image of God. What, what did God mean by this? Well, the Hebrew word here for image is salem, and it could be translated uh, likeness or resemblance or representative. Sometimes in other parts, even idol or statue. A few years ago, I went to India where the primary religion is Hinduism and there are thousands of gods. And and uh, we went to some Hindu shrines, to just kind of get a, a sense of of uh, the lay of the land. And, and so many idols that are there to be visible representations of an invisible God. And, and so the writer to Genesis kind of hijacks this on the lips of God and says that actually that's that's like us. We are supposed to be visible representatives, mm. visible representations of an invisible God. We are supposed to show the world what God is truly like. We are supposed to reflect him. And so right in Eden, we discover our identity and purpose. Our identity is we are created to be in loving relationship with God. And our purpose is that we are supposed to reflect God in the world. And this is like massive news. This is groundbreaking news. This, this is what makes the Christian faith different than any other religious belief systems. In the words of the author John Mark Comer, he says this, that you and I were made to do good and to mirror and mimic what God is like in the world. 
And even in the early Genesis account, in Genesis chapter one, where God is creating the world over and over and over again, we see this phrase, it was good. It was good. It was very good. Like whatever God does is good. And so God is inviting him, us, to join him in doing good work, things that bring goodness and kindness into the world, things that reflect God in the world. So what does that look like? Well, again, let's jump back to the Genesis story. It says Genesis 2 verse 15. We're told that the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. And so reflecting God in the world means that there is a job to do, but a job that brings real joy and delight and pleasure that brings a sense of flourishing and well-being. Now, this word tend here in Genesis 2.15, this is the Hebrew word arved, and it has three different meanings in the Old Testament. The first meaning is the basic word work. It literally means God put them in the, in the Garden of Eden to work the garden. Now, again, this is great news. Like God didn't put them into Eden to say it's a finished product. You just sit back and enjoy it. It wasn't like God was saying, OK, you can just sit back and relax. But you know, as if Adam was going to turn to God and say, God, like, you know, the lawn is is just astroturf and the, the flowers are kind of plants that are just made of plastic. There's nothing for us to do here. No, there was things for Adam and Eve and humanity to do in the garden, to work the garden, to release the potential of the garden. This this garden was teeming with life, but teeming with possibility, teeming with the ability to keep creating, to release that potential. There was work to do. But this word arved also sometimes is translated service. This is not any kind of work. These are works of service. These are works of goodness that don't just benefit the person doing the work, but that are other centered, that are good for everybody. It's like when I clean up the mess in my garden or clean up the dog mess in the, in the uh, parks, I'm not doing that just for my benefit. Everyone gets the benefit of that good work. It's a work of service. And thirdly, thirdly, this, this word arved sometimes is translated worship. And, and so this, this breathtaking moment that, that we put into the garden for works of service that ultimately express worship back to God, gratitude to God that he made us, that we can partner with him in seeing his goodness break out and be reflected into the world, that we are chosen, that we're not ignored, that God wants to work with us, yeah. which is the thing, again, that separates us from every other faith. This, this sacred story in the Old and New Testament speaks of a God who wants to know you personally in relationship and partner with you. You personally, everyone is chosen to see his goodness break out into the whole of creation because that's what's supposed to happen. This, this creativity, this beautifying in Eden wasn't supposed to be locked within Eden. It was supposed to go to the very ends of the earth. Again, Genesis 2 verse 15, we read, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. And that word watch over is the Hebrew word shamer, and it means to guard and to protect, but not in a sense of putting a lid on something. It's not like you're guarding the garden because it's some kind of prison. You're guarding the garden to prevent rotten things getting into it and ruining it, but more important, you're guarding the guardian to see the garden 
break out into the world. The garden was exposed to, was supposed to extend. It was supposed to impact the whole of creation. Mm -hmm. Because again, it's bursting with uh, potential and God wants to see that potential released that Eden will break out into the whole of the world. This garden is supposed to go somewhere, which is why in Genesis 1.28, we get this first mandate on humanity. It says, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, not fill Eden, fill the earth and govern it. It's like in this beautiful chosen moment, God was saying to them, as he says to us, um, let's start here in Eden. Let's start where you are, right where you are and see goodness move right where you are. But let's go on and make an amazing, beautiful world where the goodness of God breaks out. So the whole world is a place of delight and pleasure where people can flourish, a place where they know that their true identity is in relationship with a loving God and their true purpose is partnering with him to see beautiful wonderful things break out in the whole of the earth the mandate upon our lives is not to devour creation it is to develop creation to cultivate creation which means that whatever we do we can ask the question is this good is this beautiful does this bring life is it other centered is it excellent is it kind what does all this have to do then as we draw to a close with our vocational well-being? It, it, it reminds us that our identity is not in the work that we do, but our true identity is in relationship with this loving God. And that our true purpose and our vocational purpose is to partner with God in works of service, to reflect him in the world, to see more of the goodness of God breaking out, which also becomes an act of worship. Which means that every single day, 24-7, when you're not sleeping, which can still be an act of worship, but when it comes to our work, whatever our work is, we have an opportunity to take the circumstances and the situations that we find ourselves in and the raw materials and potential that lies within within us, our strengths and our weaknesses and our passions. We take all that and we join God in doing something good because we believe that the job that we're doing makes a difference that the job what we're doing whatever it is when we you know you go to parties sometimes and people say what do you do and and sometimes people say oh I'm just a house husband Mm. I'm just a postman I'm just an accountant listen with this God No one is just an anything. Whatever you are, whether you are an accountant, whether you're a web developer, whatever you're doing in your vocation, whether you're a stay-at-home mum and dad, whatever you're doing, you can do it from a place, you know, like God created me and he loves me Mm -hmm. and he's created me in this place, in this situation to see his goodness break out, that you can reframe your work to see the value of it and the beauty of that work, whatever it is, as you serve him and serve others Mm -hmm. and see that goodness break out in the world. Maybe you're in a very difficult work situation at the moment and you're wondering, what do you do? Maybe God's planted you there to see Eden break out, to see things change. Maybe God wants to work through you to see the goodness of God, see that place transformed.
It could be for some of us that we literally are in an environment where we're not thriving and flourishing and it genuinely feels like there's no hope of doing that. Friends, listen, life is too short. If that is you, then think and pray and look to find something different to do. Like be responsible. Like if you have financial responsibilities and family responsibilities, I'm not telling you to hand in your notice tomorrow with no other job unless literally the angel Gabriel turns up at the end of your bed and gives you that assurance. No, look and think and listen and pray to find another opportunity where you can thrive and flourish. If you feel today that you are in the worst job in all the world, I want to remind you that the God that we follow knows exactly how you feel. Yeah. And the reason that he knows how you feel mm -hmm. is because Jesus Christ embraced the worst job in all the world, mm -hmm. the job that none of us want to do and that none of us can do. Mm -hmm. Because the reality we all know, our story is that we rejected this identity of being in relationship with him. And we rejected this responsibility to reflect him with works of service and worship and goodness in the world. And because of that, the world's in an almighty mess. And none of us, however clever we are, however smart we are, can fix this mess. But in a couple of weeks time is Easter weekend when we celebrate that Jesus Christ broke into human history to show us what God is truly like, to die on a cross and take on the mess of our lives, consuming it upon himself in a way that none of us could do. But rising again, victorious over the mess, the brokenness, the sin, the sickness, the suffering, even death itself, defeating it through resurrection so that you and I could be restored into our true identity and our true purpose. Why settle for anything less than that reality? You were created for a living, loving relationship with God. Mm. Jesus has made a way for that to be restored. You were created to join with God in seeing his goodness break out wherever you find yourself in home in your neighborhood in your workplace see it as God sees it and see what God will do shall we pause and have a moment to pray about this I wonder how you've been impacted in this moment by what I've said and so I just I just want to encourage you maybe in this moment to think about your workplace whatever your workplace is. Whatever your workplace is, your, your vocation, whether it's at home, wherever at all. And, and that maybe God would show you that in a different way, that you would see it differently. Maybe some of us have been seeing our identity is bound in what we do and we need to say, God, help me to know that my true identity is in knowing that I'm your beloved and that is unshakable. Or maybe you need to reframe how God wants to use you in your workplace hmm. and to say, okay, I, what, you know, whether I'm creating a great program, I'm going to do, I'm going to do it with good works. I'm going to create an app that's going to, help people it's going to serve people i believe that the job i make makes a difference mm. i was just reflecting there's so many takeaways there a really good challenge but i just feel prompted that some of us might just need to confess in this moment 
it's always hard isn't it it's always hard to put your hand up and say I don't really feel like I've got this area of my life just quite right and I was just thinking you know sometimes when it comes to that vocational responsibility it's so clouded with fear it's so clouded with comparison it's so clouded with um, can I do it and then I think for some others of us you know we forget other vocation no responsibilities in our life that are just as important as our workplace um, being a good sister or brother you know applying all of our heart all of our effort into serving our, our parents um, being a great colleague you know it's not just as simple as sometimes the big thing I think it's every area that we're called to and with that in mind I wonder if we just need to have a moment's prayer that just says God forgive us for where we've not taken that vocational journey seriously God we we just take a moment to say reveal to us the responsibility that we have to work your land to work our relationships to work our environments well honorably in praise and in worship to you and just in this moment's prayer maybe we can just stop and ask for Holy Spirit's help. He is our helper. That's who he is described. And let's just say right now, Holy Spirit, give me eyes to see my vocational responsibility. Mm. Give me eyes to see where I am called, who I am called to. Yeah. And may I work at it with my full heart, my full passion, my full zeal. Forgive me, God, for where I've turned a blind eye. Forgive me, God, for where I've made one aspect of the vocational journey more important than another. Help me, God, to be a man. Help me, God, to be a woman that would journey well in my vocational responsibilities. Yeah. Holy Spirit, help us. So why don't we just take this moment, like Amy said, just to pause, just for 30 seconds or so. We, we won't say anything and just just where you are, we're going to pray our own prayers, yeah. just in our thoughts, in our heart, inviting the Holy Spirit to help us. Maybe for you, this is a moment of being restored into a relationship with God. Maybe this has been a wow moment. You never realize how much God loves you. And you never realize that you were created for purpose. Your life matters. Maybe you just want to pray, Jesus, become the leader of my life, my Lord and my Savior. So why not, right where we are, why don't we just take a, a moment just to pray right where you are. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, we pray as we gather in this moment, whether in real time or even later, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us afresh yeah. with the presence of God and the peace of God and the very power of God 
we pray that you would give us the passion and the courage to say yes to you. Yes to our true identity as your beloved. Yes to our true purpose. To reflect the goodness of God in the world as a work of service and worship. Mm. Help us to see that we are here for a reason. Mm. May we find the place of delight and pleasure and flourishing and well-being in our identity and purpose in you. Thank you, God. Thank you. Amen.